a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. team that leads Jubilee Church and uh, I am the stand-in preacher for today. You know, the, the, you know, the, uh, the understudy, if you like, the one who gets called upon at the last minute and uh, our scheduled preacher for this morning had to pull out at uh, short notice due to uh, a family situation and uh, asked me to stand in. So you've got me this morning. Some of you look pleased. That's really good. That's very encouraging. Now, the, uh, the, the downside with preaching regularly in one location, like I do because I'm preaching most weeks here, is that I've pretty much used up all my sermons. Now, apart from the really early ones when I first started preaching, which is going back um, a few years now, and, and I probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't, in, in, uh, it's not like, okay. yeah, all right. I probably wouldn't inflict them on you. I mean, they're, they're locked away in a cupboard in the office, never to be brought out, really, to be fair. I'm not sure I would uh, I want to inflict those upon anybody. But with uh, not very much time to repair, I thought, well, I've got two options here. I've got, I've got two things that I could do. I do have prepared a, uh, a study, which is more of a, a, a theological lecture that I taught on the New Frontiers Theology course on, uh, on the book of Revelation. Now, it's not really a a sermon length. It's not sort of 30 or 40 minutes, which would be typical for me. It's more sort of three or four hours. So so I wonder how you felt about that this morning. Anybody got the the chicken in the oven? You've got no chance. So that that was one option, okay? That that was one option. The other option is I do have a a, a talk prepared uh, that I spoke uh, recently at the University Christian Union on the subject of prayer. So uh, I know one or two of you may have heard that, um, but I looked at both and I thought, I wonder which people would prefer. Now, I'm not big on taking votes, but I wonder if anybody, anybody want the Revelation talk this morning. You know, there's a few, okay, there's a few going up there. Uh, you, need, you need the comfy seats, okay, for that one. Uh, anybody prefer the prayer one? Is that, the, uh, that more? Oh, it's about evens, actually. I think I get to choose then. <clears throat> Having uh, thought about it and prayed about it, I thought actually it may be uh, a more useful exercise to look at the subject of prayer this morning. And I do actually want to teach the Revelation. If you've been with us recently, you'll know that I've talked through the book of Daniel this year. And uh, that's, uh, that's, you know, a lot of that is about the end times thing. It's a eschatological subject. I thought actually to go right into Revelation from that, that's quite hard going. So we're going to hold on Revelation, but actually I think it would be good for us to, to teach it, to look through it, because for many Christians, the book of Revelation is like, oh, no, I never look at that bit. Or maybe the first few chapters and then we just forget the rest. So um, we will look at that, but not this morning. But I am going to this morning look at the subject of prayer. And if you heard me uh, talk recently at the Christian Union, uh, I trust you'll stay with me on this because there may be some different things that I didn't say you never know. So no sneaking off and falling asleep. So guys, I want to talk to you first of all. Listen up. Particularly if you're single, if you're not married. I want you to imagine that you've just met the perfect girl. Okay? And if, guys, if you're married, 
uh, or, you know, or, or dating at this point, obviously I'm assuming that you're thinking of the person that you are now married to or dating. Okay? If you're not, that's a different preach and a different set of counselling after the meeting. But I'm assuming that you're thinking of that person that you're now married to or dating. Or guys, if you haven't met that person, I want you to imagine that you've met just the perfect girl. I mean, she is everything that you've been praying for, everything you've been asking God for, everything you could have imagined would be great to have in a wife. You know, she loves Jesus. She's, you know, sold out to follow him. She's a godly woman. Um, she's fun to be around. Uh, she's just, you know, just a, she's just good company. She likes the sort of films that you like. You know, she, she's, she likes hanging out with your friends as well. And, uh, you know, she looks really good and she dresses really attractively. Not, 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 not too revealing, just really nicely. And you're really proud to be around her. And uh, you just think, you, you've got it made. And you think, wow, this is amazing. This is everything I could have ever wanted in a wife. Girls, similar question or similar thought process. If you know, I want you to imagine the perfect husband. Now, girls, if you're, if you're, ladies, if you're married, then you're obviously thinking right now of your husband, I hope. Again, same thing applies. If you're not, then we need to have a separate discussion afterwards. But you know, I want you to imagine, girls, that you've just met the perfect guy. Now, you've been praying for a while. You've been asking God. And, and, and now this guy has come on the scene. And he's just everything you could have asked for. Everything that you wanted in a husband. And, you know, he, he loves Jesus. He's sold out for following him. And, you know, he's, he's great to be around. You know, he cooks just the best steak ever. Because, guys, we can cook that, can't we? Can't do much else, but we can probably cook a good steak. And, uh, you know, he's, you know he, he loves hanging out with you and your friends too. You know, he's just good fun. He makes you laugh. He makes you relaxed. He makes you feel good about yourself. You know, your parents love him. You think it just couldn't get any better. You've, both of you have clearly, without a shadow of a doubt, fallen in love with each other. And I speak R after three. One, two, three. R. Let me ask you a question. If that was to describe you, well, I trust for many of you it would describe you now, maybe for some of you it would describe you in the future. If that was to describe you, would you need me to persuade you to spend time with each other? Probably not. Because if that did describe you, then you, know, you wouldn't need to be persuaded to try and make some space for one another in your busy schedule. You'd want to be with each other, wouldn't you? you know, you'd want to hang out together. You'd want to spend time with one another. You see, if you love someone, you want to spend time with them. And actually, friends, prayer is very similar. Because on a human level, if we love somebody, we want to spend time with them. So... I love my wife. I love Sarah. I love spending time with her. We had an opportunity to have some time uh, away this week on our own, which was just wonderful. Some great friends looked after our kids. And uh, well, we just love spending time with each other. And uh, it was just fun. We, we enjoyed it. You know, if you, if you love somebody, you love to hang out with them. And actually, prayer shouldn't be so different. Prayer shouldn't be a, well, I have to, or I ought to, or I suppose I should because I'm a Christian. 
But rather, what prayer should be is a natural expression of us wanting to communicate with our Heavenly Father. Because actually, what prayer is, is is the dialogue. It's the relationship between God and us. And just on a human level, if we love somebody, we want to spend time with them, actually, if we really love Jesus, don't you think we want to spend time with him? Is that a fair assumption, do you think? So I was given the, the title for the CU, Why Pray? And I can't remember if it was Why Pray? question mark or Why Pray? A sort of statement. So maybe it, it was a question mark. Okay, so uh, that's the sort of thing that we looked at together. But it's interesting to note that if you look at the Bible, the, dis- the disciples didn't ask Jesus if they should pray. Rather, they asked Jesus how they should pray. So the assumption for the disciples there was that prayer was a good thing. And what they wanted to know was how to pray. And this morning I want to look at how to pray and how to grow in prayer. We uh, looked at the subject of prayer about 18 months or so ago. We did a three-week series on prayer. It's probably on the website. You can download it if you want to. So we don't have time to look at all the sort of things that we looked at together in that little series. But I'm trusting this morning that what I share, what I bring to you from God's Word, will stir you, will encourage you, may well challenge you, but I'm trusting for all of us it will motivate us in our prayer life with the Lord. Is that okay? Is that good? So I'm going to pray, and we'll spend a few moments looking at this subject together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have spoken to us so clearly already this morning. And we thank you that you're going to speak to us again now. We thank you for your word, which is living and active. And pray, Lord God, that you would speak to us through it. Please speak to us through me. Would your word come alive to us? And Jesus, we pray that you might encourage us, you might provoke and challenge us, you might motivate us and stir our hearts to be uh, more enthusiastic in our prayer life with you, that we might get to know you better. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what is prayer? Well, we've alluded to this already, because prayer at its heart is our relationship with Jesus. It's you talking to your Heavenly Father. And indeed, listening as well. It's a two-way thing. It's a two-way dialogue. It's not just a, it's not just a one-way street with our prayers going up to heaven. But actually, it's God talking to us as well. Now, I think there's a danger for us that somehow we, we can make prayer a religious thing. Do you know what I mean by that? We sort of compartmentalize prayer into sort of a, a religious thing and think we have to go through sort of certain motions or you know, <clears throat> approach it in a certain way. And if we do that, then we can miss the life that there should be. Because actually there should be life uh, in, in prayer. We're told in Luke 5 that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And it's clear throughout the Gospels that Jesus was, uh, was pretty busy, had a lot of demands on his time, had a lot of demands on him. Lots of people wanted to be around him, to, to listen to him, to um, be healed by him, to receive his teaching and everything he had for them. But he, he was sustained in that, in that, you know, that three-year uh, intense period of ministry by his relationship with his father. And no doubt he was sustained before that as well in the relationship that he had with his heavenly father. And so we're told that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And it's clear that 
you know, that, that was what fueled him. That's what sustained him. That's what was able to, that's what helped him to be able to keep going in such a demanding uh, ministry schedule. But I wonder if Jesus needed to withdraw to lonely places, if Jesus needed to take time out, as to use Kevin's phrase from earlier, which was such a helpful phrase, if, if Jesus needed to look at his sort of schedule and think, no, no, I need time out now with my Heavenly Father, if he needed to do that, how much more do you think you and I need to? You know, if Jesus needed that, and that was you know, a core part of his life, friends, how much more do we need that? I wonder, what is your lonely place? Have you got somewhere you go to, to withdraw, to be with the Lord? Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Where's your lonely place? Where do you go to, to pray and to be with your Heavenly Father? See, having somewhere where you can go, where you're not distracted, will really help you. So if you're distracted by having the radio on or the TV, go somewhere where it's off or isn't on. If you're distracted by the computer or you know, email coming through on your phone or whatever it might be that distracts you, you need to get rid of those distractions, get to your lonely place and be with your father. For me, I've said it before, I like to walk. It's good, it gets me out of the house or out of the office and um, it just helps me connect with God particularly as a certain park I go to, a walk that I do. And because I've done that so many times now, there are a whole load of things that I've prayed for on that walk. And I know as, as, I, as I go round it, as I walk, as I'm praying to the Lord and, and going through various things in my mind and bringing them before him, as I walk, I remember, thinking, oh yeah, I prayed about this around here. I've prayed for that before and God's answered. So even the fact that I'm going back to the same place and praying again about something different is helpful to me because I know God has acted, he has answered, he's broken through and he's provided when I've prayed there before. And that helps encourage my faith. It's not there's something magical about that place. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I find it just helps me because it's a reminder. It reminds me that God broke through before, so guess what? He can break through again. So where's your lonely place? Where do you go? What do you do? Not just about where, but also when. We'll come back to that in a moment. So why pray? Why should we be uh, even talking about this subject this morning? Well, prayer develops your relationship with God. And if you want to get to know God better, then you need to pray. If you're married here this morning, then if you want to get to know your husband or wife better, then you've got to talk to them. And, guys, especially true for us, you have to listen to them as well. And not just listen to the words, but listen to the heart behind the words as well. Does that make sense to some of you? Some of you are nodding, going, yeah, I know that. But it's true, isn't it? Because if we want to get to know our wives or our husbands, then we need to talk. We need to converse. We need to not just talk at them, but listen as well. And you know what? It's not that much different in developing our relationship with the Lord either. If you want to get to know God better, then you need to pray. E.M. Bounds, a 19th century Methodist clergyman, said this. He said, no learning can make up for the failure to pray. No earnestness, no diligence, no study, no gifts will supply its lack. Good quote, isn't it? It's true. No learning can make up for the failure to pray. And too often we don't pray and then wonder why God doesn't speak to us. 
God wants to communicate with you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to share his heart with you. The question is, are you listening? Are we listening? But as with any relationship, it needs to be worked at and developed. Sarah and I have been married nine years this year. And, uh, I, you know, I can't say that, well, you know, when we first got married, we talked. So we've done the talking bit now, so we don't need to talk anymore. You know, I can't, I can't say that. That does, not, that does not wash. I cannot get away with that. And if I said that, that would not do our relationship any good. But after nine years of marriage, I can honestly say that I love her more now than I did when we got married. And we're better friends. We know each other better. And we love to spend time with each other. Why? Because we've worked at it. Any relationship needs to be worked at. You need to invest time in it. It doesn't happen automatically. Now, nine years ago, we couldn't say, well, once we've said the vows and got, got the rings, then it's all good. It's just going to be fine now. We had to work at it. And there, you know, there are seasons when you, know, you go through ups and downs, like with any relationship. And you go, no, no, we're, we're going to work at this. We're going to love each other and keep talking. And that's why it's deeper and stronger now than it was nine years ago, because we've worked at it. But you know what? The same with prayer. It's the same with your relationship with the Lord. To develop a relationship with somebody takes time. It takes intentionality. You have to be committed to it. It doesn't happen by accident. Guess what? The same is true with your relationship with God. I think there's a difference, you know, um, between spending time with somebody when you're dating and when you're married. Maybe some of you who are married will remember what it's like. When you're dating somebody, when you're just going out with someone, what you're doing is, you know, you, you share your lives, you share your heart, you talk, you, you talk about what's important to you, you, you learn about one another, you, you learn what's important to each other, about, about someone's history, you just keep on talking to get to know one another. The danger when you're married, if you're not careful, is that your conversations can become all about household chores. Or what's on the shopping list for this week? Or who's going to pick the kids up from school? Or you know, when is that window going to be fixed? Or the bathroom painted? Or whatever it might be that's on your radar. Actually, your conversations become about functional things rather than sharing hearts. And so you have to make time to, or actively make time, to spend quality time with one another where you can share heart, share your lives. And it isn't just functional business of marriage or family life. Now, Sarah and I work at that and have our date nights. And I know many of you uh, do similar as well. But you need to be intentional. We need to give ourselves to one another, give that time to doing that. Now, this, isn't, this, is, this could turn into a marriage talk, couldn't it, if I'm not careful? If you're married, let me ask you, are you doing that? Are you giving that sort of time to each other? Not just talking about the functional things of household or family life, but really sharing heart and sharing lives together. Are you still doing that? Are you still investing that sort of time? Let me challenge you that that is time well spent. But for Jesus, time alone with his Father was essential. It wasn't an optional extra. It wasn't do all the stuff and then if you've got any time left over, you go off and pray. We're told that Jesus would get up early and go off to lonely places and pray. He was intentional about it. He knew it was important. Everything else followed after that. 
R.T. Kendall, in his book, Did You Think to Pray, which is a good book, by the way, you might want to read it, says this, he says, children spell love, T-I-M-E. What if God spells love, T-I-M-E? Bill Hybels, in his book, Too Busy Not to Pray, says this, he says, prayerless people cut themselves off from God's prevailing power and the frequent result is the familiar feeling of being overwhelmed, overrun, beaten down, pushed around and defeated. Surprising numbers of people are willing to settle for lives like that. Don't be one of them. Nobody has to live like that. Prayer, he says, is the key to unlocking God's prevailing power in your life. Anybody ever feel like that? Overwhelmed, overrun, beaten down, pushed around, defeated? I guess we've all felt like that at times, haven't we? Maybe you've even feel like that this morning. What Hybel says is actually the key to unlocking some of those things is your relationship with God. It's prayer. Prayer is the key to unlocking God's prevailing power in your life. You want to know God's power in your life? I guess all of us would say yes to that, wouldn't we? Then guess what? You've got to pray. So often we can think that prayer is our way of trying to twist God's arm. You know, try and persuade God that it would be a good idea if he could possibly act on something that's important to us. Martin Luther said this, he said, Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of his willingness. God is willing. He wants to communicate with you. He loves you and he wants to show you his goodness. Are you listening? Have you learned to hear his voice? How's it going for you? What about when to pray? Well, the Bible tells us uh, to pray without ceasing and encourages us to pray at certain dedicated times as well. So Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Well, it means that you can and should pray at any time, anywhere, about anything. But as well as praying in the moments, what Jesus' model shows us is that we need to have time out with God as well, dedicated, specific time that we spend with him. Time needs to be set aside to pray. Don't use the, but I'm praying all the time line to excuse lack of intentional time with the Lord. They're different. Both are actually important, but they are different things that we learn from Scripture. So what about how to pray? Well, Jesus taught us that, well, he taught us to call God Abba, Father. And the, and the best translation we've got in English is pretty much the word Dada or Daddy. So some of you will know uh, our kids. Our youngest is uh, a little over 18 months now. And he'll sort of toddle around and go Dada and put his arms up. And, uh, and want to be picked up and cuddled and, uh, and talked to and talked with. But what Jesus is saying, calling God, Abba, Father, it's like the same thing. It's like we can go to them and say, Daddy. Just as a child goes to his father with arms open wide, expecting to be received and hugged and welcomed. That's how we can approach the Lord. Jesus taught his disciples to pray. 
We're told in Luke 11, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And so Jesus said to them, when you pray, and he went on to explain how they should pray. There's a, a fuller account of that conversation in Matthew uh, chapter 6, which we'll look at just for a few moments together. If you've got a Bible with you, you might want to turn to it quickly. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, and they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That short passage of scripture has become known as the Lord's Prayer. And uh, if you're of my sort of age or older, which is 30-ish, or older, I can still say it, just. If you're of my sort of age or older, you probably learnt it at school. You were probably taught the Lord's Prayer at school. I know we certainly were. And we had to recite it at certain times. And we'd sit in assembly and the headmaster would say, we will now say the Lord's Prayer. We'd all sort of bow our heads and mumble it loud enough to... Um, to persuade the headmaster that we were you know, repeating the Lord's Prayer, but not so loud that it gave the game away that we really knew it and it meant something to us and it might, you know, we wonder what our friends think. So you sort of sit there and go, oh, Father, heart in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. You know, sort of mumble your way through it and everyone would sort of breathe a sigh of relief when you got to the end, Amen. Uh, thank goodness that's over with. Do you think that's what Jesus meant? When his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, Jesus had in his mind, well, I'll teach you to pray these certain words so you can sit in your school assembly and sort of mumble your way through it and just wait for the headmaster to dismiss you, having you know, said off pat the, these few words that you've memorised from Scripture. Do you think that's what Jesus meant? It's not what he meant at all. There's no life in that, is there? There's no reality in that. No, it's not meant to be said off-pat like that in some sort of slightly embarrassed way in a school assembly. What Jesus is saying here is here is a model for you. Here is an example of the sort of things that you should have in your prayer. This is a way to pray. It helps us structure our time with God. Now, it is a good model to use, and we could use it and sort of play off the back of it. You could say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's worship. And we could say that line and then launch into worshipping God. And we could go through it, and it would be like a prompt to help us to pray for certain things. And if we use it in that way, then we've cottoned on to what Jesus was wanting us to do. R.T. Kendall says, praying the Lord's Prayer makes us pause to worship. 
You know, it's like sometimes you're so keen to pray about something that's on your mind and important to you, and you sort of dive straight in there, saying, Lord, will you do this, please? The Lord's Prayer helps us to pause first for worship. And you see, you don't pray a set prayer to tick a box that you've prayed. It's not like, well, I've prayed my prayer for today, I'm all, I'm all good. But rather you pray out of relationship. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. We know how to give our kids good gifts. How much more does our Father in heaven know how to give to us what we need? You see, you come to God as your Father in heaven. He delights to hear from you and delights to answer. Not always in the way you'd like him to answer. Sometimes we don't ask for very good things. But he does delight to answer us. And so we can pray confidently. We can pray expectantly. So particularly thinking of the prayer meeting on Wednesday evening at half past seven at the Hallmark Hotel opposite Derby Railway Station. Hope you noticed the plug. We can pray confidently and expectantly. Not some wussy, half-hearted, oh God, if you wouldn't mind, please, do you think you could possibly, if you are able, would you maybe think about perhaps kind of get out prayers. But we can come confidently to God saying, Lord, you've said. If we're praying in line with his will, we can come confidently and boldly into God's presence saying, God, you have said, please would you act. They're the sort of prayers that God loves. God loves faith. Do you pray with faith? God loves prayers full of faith. So how do you structure your time with him? Well, we need to, uh, we need to push on quickly. We're running out of time. But let me say this. Don't overstructure it. Don't overstructure your time with God. If you're out with friends, do you structure it? You know, if you've got an evening with, with, with your friends, you know, if you've got it listed out on your, on your phone, where you're going to spend the first 10 minutes talking about this, the next 10 minutes talking about the other, then you're going to get on the side. It's, it's not, it's just your time with friends, isn't it? So don't overstructure your time with God. But a because a structure should serve you, not, not you serving the structure. So it's good to have some pointers to think, actually, I want to cover these sort of things. But don't get into a rigid thing, oh, I've got to go through this list and tick it off as I go. I think some structure is helpful, but not if it dominates us. It should serve us and not the other way around. So you could use the Lord's Prayer as a structure. That's a good structure. Jesus taught it to us to use like that. Personally, I find an easy to remember model is ACTS, A-C-T-S, standing for Adoration, Confession, thanksgiving and supplication. Now I don't these days often go through the ACTS in my mind because it's so ingrained in me after many years of hearing it, it's sort of automatic now. But you know, they're sort of headings I want to hit as I pray. Adoration, it's worship. It's worship, worshiping the Lord for who he is and what he's done. You might sing, you might pray in tongues. That's the way you start off. Then confession, confessing sin, getting rid of it, repenting, asking God to forgive you, and dealing with things. 
Thanksgiving. Thanking God for what he's done for you. What have you got to be thankful for? Like I was saying earlier, recalling answered prayer. For me, I, I find builds my faith. Thanking God again that he answered, he came through, he provided. Be grateful. God loves gratitude. Remember Sarah's dad saying once uh, in a preach, said, if you want to feel great, be grateful. It's true, isn't it? Let's be grateful for God, thanking him for all that he's done. And then, after adoring him, repenting of sin, thanking him, then we get into asking him for things. Supplication, praying for others, praying about world issues, maybe praying for yourself, for your family, for situations that you're facing. But notice that comes after adoring him, confessing sin, thanking him for all that he's done for you. And also including in our time with him, is reading his word. I'd suggest to you, don't separate it out. Don't think, oh God, I have my Bible time, then I have my prayer time. Then. No, no. It's you being with the Lord. Reading his word, praying it back to him, reading some more, asking God for things. You can mix it up. What about when you don't feel like it? Anybody? Thank you. Anybody ever feel like that? Is, is, is it just me? Please say it's not just me. That might feel really bad. Sometimes we just don't feel like it. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 57. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. And it's like the psalmist is speaking to himself. Not speaking to anybody else. He's like saying, come on, soul. Wake up. Get with it. Come on, I'm going to worship now. I'm going to awaken the dawn. Get me instruments. I'm going to praise. Sometimes you just have to say, no, no, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And you know what? When I, when I pray and when I'm with the Lord, if I start off not feeling like it, and friends, sometimes I do, then I find that by speaking to myself, by saying, I'm going to worship anyway, actually, after a while of doing that, I find that I'm caught up in God's presence and I love doing it. So sometimes we just have to do it to get started, even if we don't feel like it. The psalmist had to speak to himself, and you know what? Sometimes we do too. I haven't talked much about corporate prayer. Maybe I should have done because we've got a prayer meeting on Wednesday evening at half past seven at the Hallmark Hotel, which you're all going to be at especially after this morning, I'm sure. But corporate prayer in a church actually should come out of living, active, life-giving, personal prayer of its members. So it's not an instead of, it's an as well as. And if we go to it, having been fueled by God in our personal prayer life, you know what? It sparks and it takes off. If it's full of people who haven't been with the Lord since last Sunday or the last prayer meeting and, and just feel, oh, I suppose they better be there, then it tends to be quite a hard time. So I'm looking forward to a time full of faith and encountering God because I'm trusting that many of us will have been praying for that evening in preparation for it as well and come enthusiastically waiting to meet with him. See, God wants your heart, someone once said, more than your hands. We often think that God wants us to do things for him. And God does have things for us to do, but they come out of a relationship with him. He wants your heart. And that comes through time with him, through prayer, through reading his word, and through worship. He's after your heart. And so I want us to respond to the Lord now. Adam, if you want to come up in the band, please. We're going to worship God. And there are a couple of 
um, words I want to bring to perhaps help us. Ray, do you want to be wandering down here and bring your word in a second, please? That would be great. Let me say this as the guys are coming up. If this hasn't been an area of strength for you, and I'm aware for some of you, you'll go, you know what, prayer is, is an area of strength. And it's, you know, it's an area that you love to pray and you feel that you're strong in that. And if that's you, then great. I want to commend you for that and say, keep going. But if for you, you think, actually, you know what, prayer hasn't really been an area of strength, don't feel condemned this morning. It's important you don't feel condemned, but it's important so you do allow the Holy Spirit to convict you and to, to provoke you in this area. So the Holy Spirit brings conviction to our lives. Conviction draws us towards the Lord. Satan brings condemnation to our lives, and that pushes us away from God. That's how you tell the difference. So this morning, don't feel condemned, but rather you may feel convicted. Say, you know what, I want to get this area of my life with the Lord sorted. Then this morning, I want you to receive God's grace afresh that you might grow in it. And it might become an area of strength for you. And you might know him better. And you might hear him speak to you. So if you're a Christian this morning, how are you going to grow in your relationship with the Lord? What are you going to do? How is this week going to be different to last week? What are you going to do to put into practice some of the things we've talked about this morning. And if you're not a Christian here this morning, maybe you've come with a friend, maybe uh, somebody said, why don't you come along to church with me? Then, and hear this, actually God's heart is for you as well. And he wants a relationship with you. He loves you. He'd love for you to talk to him. And he's done all that is required for you to have that relationship with him. So I want to invite you to consider that this morning, maybe for you. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for your grace, which is sufficient. Lord God, we want to thank you that you provide all that we need. And Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that you want to provide fresh grace this morning. And so, Jesus, I want to pray right now that your grace would come, that it would be sufficient. And Lord, for these friends that has responded to you, Lord Jesus, you might meet them and come to them. Lord, I want to pray that your grace would be sufficient. I pray that you'd stir a passion for prayer in their lives. Lord, I pray that uh, you would ignite a fresh flame in each of their hearts. God, I want to pray that you'd blow upon them by your Spirit. That, Lord Jesus, you might do something remarkable this morning. Father, I pray for a meeting with you, Lord God. Holy Spirit, would you come and do what only you can do? Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.